Blog Talk Radio. No, no, you're there. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, August the 4th. And uh, as we like to do uh, from time to time, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, George Rodriguez from South Texas. We're going to talk about Texas. We call it the Texas Report. We're going to talk about the border. We're going to talk about some, some issues on the border. We're also going to talk about the possibility of school choice, gasoline prices uh, going up. Uh, so, George, how you been? Hot. <laughs> I bet. I bet. We're pretty hot up here, too. Yes, but we're um, supposed to have a cool a, a cool spell coming sometime soon, so I don't know. Well, George, today is the 30th anniversary, if you can believe this, 30th anniversary of Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura going at each other. Oh, Remember yeah. that incident where Robin Ventura went after Nolan Ryan and Nolan grabbed him and, and punched him? You know... It's hard to believe it's 30 years, but I remember that, that incident because I was outside playing with my sons. We were playing catch or football or whatever, and it was on the radio. We had the, the game on the radio, and I remember all the commotion, so we ran to the radio to see what was going on. So I didn't get to see the video until later or the, the movie until the, I mean, the, the actual video until later in the newscast, but that, that, you know, that thing went around the world. Yeah. Everybody was watching Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura fight each other. It became almost like a, a just another chapter in the incredible story of Nolan Ryan, uh, George. It, it was. And, uh, you know, the incident, um, uh, it, it, it's memorialized now with, uh, with the video. And, uh, I mean, so many people, you know, uh, were shocked when it happened, but now we just kind of look at it and go, wow. Well, it's kind of funny now in retrospect yeah, exactly. when you watch it because, you know, obviously Robin Ventura is uh, was a young man at the time, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure. You know, I get the feeling that when he rushed to the mound, that the initial decision to rush the mound was the anger that many hitters have, you know, when yes. you get hit by a pitch. But then as he was running to the pitcher's mound, he realized, I am charging Nolan Ryan. This is a bad idea. And and you could tell you could tell that Robin really didn't fight. Oh, I don't get the yeah, impression that he really about. fought him. Yeah, I think what he was trying to do maybe, maybe, uh, is uh, just confront him. Maybe even point his finger in his face or something like that. But um well, Ro- I I mean, Nolan Ryan wasn't having any of it. <laughs> no, Ryan took it quite personally and uh reacted to it uh quite strongly, but there was a funny story about that that incident. Randy Galloway, who is a local uh, sportscaster here, who has retired, I think, by now, and he was in London with ESPN because they were doing a Cowboys exhibition game in London. The Cowboys were playing their 
an exhibition game in London on this day. And Randy Galloway, when, when he got back, was talking about this incident, saying that the only thing that people were talking about in London at the hotel where the players were was the fight. Nobody was talking about the exhibition game. They were just <laughs> talking about this fight. That all the players were, you know, all the players were having a lot of fun watching the the fight and, you know, the, the ESPN running the, you know, the the video over and over and over again. So Nolan Ryan, 30 years ago uh, today, and if that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what does. But 30 years is a very, very long time. Well, let's talk about some things going on in Texas. Uh, and do you believe, George, that the governor is going to call for another session for school choice? He's very committed to it. And I know he's spoken about it. But do you believe that he will, George? I think he will. I think it, it is a very hot button issue uh, for uh, voters in uh, in Texas. And uh, I, I can't think that he will not pay attention to that. Yeah. And uh, now whether or not school choice passes or in what form does it pass, that's another question. But uh, that it's going to be addressed. I think it is. Right. And I, I hope he does. I hope he does have a, another session exclusively on school choice, just like he did with property tax. I think sometimes uh, when you try to do too much in one session, maybe nothing gets done, but or not the big things get done. There was a lot of stuff that was done in the original session, but uh, maybe it would be better to do one exclusively on, on school choice. But I think the key, the key, George, is how do you bring Republicans together on this issue? I mean, I think both sides, I mean, we know where the Democrats are. They're, they're against it. And that's that's just the way it is. But there are enough Republican votes to make it happen. But it seems that there's a difference between, uh, let's say, the suburban uh, Republicans with the small town Republicans in many of these small towns. And you may be familiar with this around San Antonio. With many of these small towns, the school itself is a big deal in the community. And many of these, uh, you know, I would say, rural Republicans maybe are afraid that they might lose their schools. I, I don't know. I, I haven't really talked to any of them, but what, what are you hearing, George? Well, yeah, I think that uh, once again, I mean, the, traditionally in, in, in Texas, we have known as, as many other uh, small towns across the, uh, the United States, but uh, particularly in Texas, uh, the schools uh, have been a unifying force for communities, for small communities, particularly the football teams. And uh, as you know, in many small communities, absolutely, the football stadium is the biggest <laughs> building uh, it, that, that there is in that community. Now, what is happening with school choice, there is a great fear that uh, students will end up going elsewhere, not to the public school, will end up going elsewhere, and they will lose um, talent, they'll lose uh, students. And, uh, you know, that's a, real, that's a real concern to some of these small communities. On the other hand, You've got larger communities like here in San Antonio, my own suburbs, our own suburbs here and in Dallas and other places where uh, folks, uh, particularly in the inner cities, want to send their kids to quality schools, to schools where their children are not going to be bullied, where they're not, uh, where they're not afraid to be smart, where they're not afraid uh, to get off the bus, to walk the halls. Um, that is an issue that is very, very important to these to to those uh, citizens, and those are citizens that the Republican Party wants to court and bring into the Republican Party. Right. They already have 
I mean, like it or not, uh, they already have these small communities uh, voting Republican. They want to right. get uh, they want to get into the into the urban areas, and uh, this is a great issue for them to uh, court these folks with. Right, and 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 I certainly understand because I've traveled around Texas, and I remember when my sons were playing football at, in high school that we took several trips, you know, to some of the outlying communities, and you know the the football team there was like the the biggest event you know yeah. on friday night right so i can certainly understand that i remember uh the restaurants uh were full of promotions you would have thought it was the super bowl type of thing yeah so i can understand that so i think the key if you want to make it work is that you have to come up with a system that says to those parents you can keep your kid in the in the public school if you want to or in those activities, in those, in those activities. Exactly, the football team, you're right. And then you can say to the parents in some of the suburban areas, you, we're going to give you a voucher. So there's got to be, there's got to be a compromise. But I, I will tell you that, and, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for teachers and, you know, many friends are teachers. And when you talk to them privately, they're very disenchanted with what's happening in public education. Yes. They're, and myself, I'm not against public education, but I don't see public education reforming itself in a way that that is in you know that is somehow connected to the future. I mean, it seems like if you if you look, for example, at the Houston School District, I mean, they've had to basically redo that district because of all the schools that were not performing. I don't know how Dallas is doing, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they have the same problem. But so I want to see school choice. It's too late for my kids, but I love to see it for my little grandchildren. Yes, exactly. So that they have school choice someday. I like to see that. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take the football team away from Michigan or whatever. Where So... I'm sure they can work out a compromise. Do you, do you feel confident that they can? Work oh, out I think so. I, I, that's why I said uh, that this is going to be a very, very important issue for the Republican Party, which dominates Texas. It's an opportunity for them to uh, gain inroads in uh, in communities where uh, they need to. And uh, I think that um, uh, it, it can be uh, it can be worked out in a way that uh, everybody um, is contented at, at the end, but it's very needed. I mean, right. particularly in the small in in, in the inner cities. It yeah, oh, well, no question. I mean, the the it's ironic because the people who really need school choice are the communities represented by the Democrats who are opposed to school exactly. choice. Exactly. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. That's the reality of it. Well, I hope the governor calls the session. And I hope they can work something out. He's put a lot of his financial, I mean, political capital, I should say, yes, in this issue. So I, I think he wants to do it. He wants to do it, hopefully, uh, in, in, you know, this year or the, or the next year. Well, let's talk a little bit about the border, because, as you know, Texas, we talked about this the last time, Texas and the Department of Justice are having a little dispute about this barriers. And I read in the news that a couple of people were found dead. Uh, floating on on the river, unfortunately, and that is not new to me. I've heard this before. I mean, people yeah. have been drowning in that river for some time, crossing the river. It's a dangerous river, and if you're a little child, how in the heck, how in the heck can you survive a river like that? But you heard the stories about these people drowning. What information do you have about that? About uh, these these uh, deaths and 
whatever else information is going on on the border about this? Well, first of all, let's understand that, um, that uh, in my opinion, there is a very, very strong uh, offensive uh, effort being put on by the liberal media to uh, make the barriers, to make uh, Abbott's efforts to, to uh, uh, somehow secure the border, to make it evil, to make it dangerous, uh, which it is. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, when you put up a fence, uh, you know, some people can get offended that you put up a fence, but there's a reason why you put a fence, you know. So this situation that we've got, there is a real effort to, to play it. The, um, the uh, uh, front page banner yesterday in the San Antonio Express was that the uh, barriers were impacting on the climate and the uh, flow of the river. Uh, or should I say the climate was impacting, uh, the climate and the, and the barriers were impacting on the flow of the river. Now, that combines two very hot issues for the liberals, the climate change as well as, the, you know, their opposition to, the, to uh, securing the border. So uh, it, it, the opposition is there. However, on, this two, on these two deaths, we need to understand that there have been, like you said, a lot of deaths, a lot of deaths, not only in the river, but after they cross the river and get lost in the, uh, in the desert, in the woods. There's also, a, on these particular deaths, there's also been a question as to whether or not they are victims of the cartel because they were found on the Mexican side. And very little be, is being said about the condition of the bodies or, or uh, whether or not uh, it was foul play or whether they drowned. Very little has been said about that. So uh, to me, that makes me very, very suspicious as, as to, you know, when they start screaming about this, about somehow trying to tie the deaths to the barriers. Uh, I, I really don't believe that there is any tying there. I right. really don't believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole idea of the barriers is to discourage people from swimming exactly. across the river and or floating it, across yeah floating it's, across, the, it's the it's jumping in the river that is dangerous not the barriers yeah now as far as the the barriers impacting the climate that i don't know about that yeah that's the hard <laughs> one to figure out because the barriers are sitting on top of the water basically yeah. i guess they're you know <laughs> but then again some of these people are saying that cows impact on on, on right exactly but i mean i don't I don't think the the river is has, is I mean, it, the river it's is still not flowing. all flow of the river. I guess. Yeah, it's the river is still flowing. And when you see the the picture or the or the video, the river is still flowing. And uh, how this impacts the climate, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, that's to me that's a bit of an exaggeration. But uh, for people to say that this is impacting the climate, I think the intent of the barriers, George, as you as you indicated, is to keep people from crossing. The river, from in a sense, exactly. putting it's, their lives it's at like risk. putting up a sign that says "Don't cross," and I don't know why they don't do that. Right. Put up a sign saying uh, "Private pro Private Country, Do Not Enter," something right. like that. But uh, you know, to complain that uh, I, I mean, the thing that is amazing to me is that you've got a national government, the Biden administration, suing uh, the state of Texas because the state of Texas wants to protect the national boundary. I mean, to me, that's ironic and stupid. No, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's the first time it's ever happened, to my knowledge. Yeah. Well, by where, any country. Yeah, where state yeah. is being, you know, sued 
by the federal government for, in essence, doing what the federal government is not doing. Exactly. So that's, uh, but there's no question, there's, there's no question that, that this situation on the border uh, is becoming very, very difficult for, uh, for, uh, for, for, for both sides, you know, for Texas. And I support the barriers. I think that having the barriers is sending the message to people that, hey, stay, you know, don't cross. Or if you're going to cross, come in a different way or something, because that river, you know, we've been hearing about people drowning for years on, yes. on that river, crossing the river. So uh, it's a dangerous situation. Now, you know, I mean, you should put the barriers on the other side of the river so that people don't get in the river. Right, exactly. But I mean, and, 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 and I would agree, I think you would agree with me, George, that there is a certain desperation on the part of Texas. Oh, there because is. Texas is, is basically paying the bill for all of this. I mean, we're, we're paying for it, uh, not literally out of pocket, but the, all of the unrelated issues. Well, yeah, we are. From, I mean, it's costing, it's costing over a billion dollars of our, of our tax money. Right. We are spending that much money to secure the border, to stop the fentanyl, to stop the criminals from coming across, to stop the terrorists from coming across. Right. And, you know, to, uh, to, uh, help these people once they get across that are, that are sick, that are dying, that have drowned, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you've got uh, a good example, the sheriff of Kenny County, uh, who has run out of money. He ran out of money about the third week in January, their county did. They ran, their budget ran out because they were so busy picking people up, uh, transporting them here, there, overtime, et cetera, et cetera, overcrowding their jail. I mean, they were out of money by the third week. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy to put that burden on small towns on the border. Now, what's interesting though is I, I posted uh, I posted something today over at the American Thinker about the people sleeping on the streets in New York, the migrants oh, that's... who are sleeping in the streets of New York. And there again, you know, you have uh, the mayor of, of New York is is he's blaming Biden. He says Biden has to declare an emergency, President Biden has to declare an emergency, but he doesn't go, you know, he says that, but he doesn't go the distance. No, the distance no on is, the contrary, he's asking for money. That's it. That's exactly money. right. He's not so, saying shut, you know, shut the border down. I mean, that is like, uh, Silvio, that is like uh, complaining that you've got a, uh, a hole, that you've got uh, water coming in and you don't turn off the spigot uh, or, or where the water is coming in, you just want more buckets. Right. That's right. Or, or <laughs> you want more money to pay the water bill too, you know? Yeah, that's, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, it, it is really, it is, I mean, unbelievable, the scenes coming out of New York. And when, when you talk to people from New York, it, you know, they're, they're just saying, this is crazy. It's impacting our businesses. But again, you have a failure here of these cities that they were all in favor of sanctuary cities, I guess, until they started okay, getting people. Now, all of a sudden, they're realizing that a sanctuary city means you get people well, to move and, to your city. And then and, you've, got, you've got the double whammy. You've got the double whammy in Illinois, where they pushed the defund the police and completely disrespected the police, completely and totally. So police have left Illinois in droves. Now they've come up, the governor has come up with the wonderful idea of hiring illegal aliens to be police officers. That's unbelievable. No, I know that that is just unbelievable. 
I hope that gets challenged, by the way, in the courts. I, I hope it does. That's not just absolutely. Um, but but that's friend, the problem. I mean, there was a big incident today in in uh, in New York where a bunch of teenagers just went out in the streets and started fighting with each other. There was quite a few of them. They've had similar problems like that in Chicago, too. And I think what you're seeing there, George, is like a perfect storm yes. between uh, the collapse of family structure in these communities where you don't have fathers raising these kids to behave correctly. And then, of course, like you said, with the police, where these communities, you know, I've always had the feeling, George, that in a, in a city, either the police controls the streets or the criminals, or the criminals. are going to control the streets. So there's not really much in between. Yeah, the, the, if the criminals fear the police, they will not do what we see in New York and in Chicago and in Baltimore and many of these places. So there's been a breakdown all around. Now, what's interesting, I'll say one more thing about this. Maybe you heard about it. In the city of Oakland, uh, the NAACP, did you hear about that? The city of Oakland, the NAACP decided to, to do a protest at the city council saying that the crime is out of control. And here's the interesting thing about that protest or what the NAACP is doing in Oakland. They're actually saying this crime is targeting our people. It's no targeting kidding. the minorities. And, you know, it's about time that the NAACP took that posture because that's exactly who's being impacted in these minority communities. I mean, they're, they're not hurting the the people who don't live in those communities, at least not directly, but the, the people who are being shot and killed in many of these communities are unfortunately African-Americans like we see every weekend in Chicago. Exactly. Where, you know, we, we hear about a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old and a 6-year-old just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time when they started shooting at each other, George. So, yeah, th these cities have got to get their act together when it comes to to law and order. And I think we also need a conversation uh, in the country, George, about the breakdown of the family structure. Oh, an honest and, one. Yeah, That's an it. honest one. Because you know, an honest we... conversation about families right now, uh, it, it, it will always deviate into the role of genders. And or, once you, or once racism. You or racism. In other words, you're bringing it up because uh, racism. And no, I'm bringing it up because the statistics show yes, that there's been a breakdown. I mean, this is this is not a. And by the way, you've had a lot of you know African American commentators, Jason Riley, even Juan Williams, who's a liberal on most issues, has been very critical of what's happening uh, to the breakdown of, of the black family. And I, I do think that contributes to a lot of the chaos. But obviously, what's happening with the police. That's not helping. I mean, that's not helping. That is, you know, you no. mentioned. Um, Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's it. That's right. Well, let's talk about one last issue that, and it kind of has to do with Texas because we're a big uh, oil producer, of course, and that's the increase in gas prices. And there's the story. I have a post uh, coming out tomorrow where I, I quote the Associated Press, and they're saying that the two big factors for the increase are the heat that we're living through, and uh, and then, of course, the, the cutback in production in, in some oil-producing countries. Now, look, I don't know how the heat raises the price of oil. Uh, I, I've been, or the price of gas, I've been here many times in the past when it's been very, very hot, and it didn't have any impact on the gas prices. So 
you know, I, you know, maybe people are using the air conditioning more now, maybe. Using gas burners for it? I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know what that has to do with gas prices. But they also mentioned in the article something that does, and that is that countries like Saudi Arabia and some of the OPEC countries and some of these other countries are cutting back production. And it's kind of like a slap in the face of the United States, really, because, you know, George, why are we even worried about the production of oil? We have more oil in the United States between Texas in Alaska. We got enough oil to take care of the country. So why are we even worried about production in those countries? Why not unleash production here and let Texas and Alaska, and I'm sure there are others, take care of the country, Bill? I mean, uh, George. This radical green agenda, this radical green agenda is is destroying America's economy and it's it's destroying America's way of life. I mean, there's no two ways around it. This radical green agenda, uh, I I was uh, on my show last week, uh, I had uh, a uh, Texas representative, Texas State Representative uh, Brooks uh, Landgraf from from Odessa, who put forward a bill, has put forward a bill that prevents cities from outlawing uh, gas uh, motors, gas motors. Because, and this is this will hit you right there, uh, the city of Dallas is apparently contemplating outlawing gas mowers. Now, uh, first of all, think of the number of small business people that you put out, people that that are uh, that that work on yard, that do yard work, that you're going to put out. Never mind the the whole issue of what, how uh, how it impacts on just uh, the normal. Uh, a citizen that uh, cuts their grass with a power mower, with a gas power mower. But again, this is the radical green agenda. How does a power, a, a, a grass mower, a gas grass mower, how does it really impact on uh, on the climate? How does that save the whales and the polar bears? I don't know, but I can tell you this, if they're expecting people to use electric ones, I guess, where they plug it in, that also comes from fossil fuels. So I don't know, you know, the last time I checked, if you plug something, you know, if you plug it into the electricity, that also comes from a plant more than likely running on on fossil fuels. So usually. But the point you made, it's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about this, but I'm glad you brought it up. And that is the impact on all of these small business. By the way, most of them Hispanic, yes. at least here in this area. Yes. Uh, I mean, when, when you when you go out on a Saturday morning and you drive around the community for whatever reason, and you see all these young men cutting grass, uh, I don't know. I'll bet that 99% of them are Hispanics. Yes. Uh, the ones who cut our grass are Hispanics because my wife talks in Spanish to them. Yep. So I know they're Hispanic. And so you're hurting these small businesses. And, you know, people don't realize that you just don't trade in a gas mower for an electric mower. I mean, there, there's a cost associated with that. And if you are a, a, a landscape business, where do you plug in your, your electric? I mean, th- these are practical things that Many of these people are not considered. These are elitists. These are elitists that come up with these ideas. They are not practical people. They are not people 
that have ever, in my opinion, uh, really worked in a business, started up a business. No, they or are understand ideologues. or even understand the economy they live in. Exactly, um, they are ideologues. That's right, and I and I think that you know now that we see what's happening with the price of gas, you know it it reinforces the what Trump had done with energy, which is to promote sure. production. And unfortunately, uh, President Biden decided to listen to the climate change activists. And what, and apparently many of these climate change activists think that uh, American consumers should pay 359, 360, 375 for gasoline so that they can say that they're doing something about climate change. Exactly. exactly. And I love the European model. They yeah, love but the European model where everything is, is being converted to uh, electricity, but they can com- completely ignore the fact that uh, the European economy is on the ropes. Well, that and also their smaller uh, communities. I remember when uh, when we had that big uh, ice storm a couple of years ago uh, that shut down the you know the power grid. That I was uh, invited to Univision, and one of the ladies there asked me about green energy and uh, the success of green energy in Finland and Sweden and these Scandinavian countries. And I said, Well, look, with all due respect, the Texas economy is bigger. Than just about every economy in Europe. Exactly. Then, so I mean, we have different energy needs than, than they do, and 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 also we we have our economy is growing. I don't think Finland is growing. No. Or some of these countries. So, you know, so it's crazy what what they're doing and comparing apples and oranges. But I guess if there is a silver lining to this, uh, George, is that I think the price of oil really hurts people. The price of gasoline. Because not only does it impact your your budget when you go to the, I mean, I just paid three forty nine yeah. a couple of days ago, and and that shook me. I wasn't expecting three forty nine. Then I drove by there this morning, and it's three fifty nine already. Yeah. So it's going up. But not only does it impact George, the, you know, the price in the pump, but it has a huge impact. For example, in those small businesses that do landscaping, they yeah. gotta fill up those trucks every Saturday morning. I see them exactly. at the gas station. So, you know, this increase, uh, it hurts them as well. Well, George, our time is up, if you can believe it. But uh, I want to wish the Astros a lot of success. Oh, I hope so. And uh, I want to wish the Rangers a lot of success. I think you and I are going to have a fun baseball season here in the last uh, four or five weeks with the Rangers and the Astros competing. I think that's good. That's good for Texas. Excellent. Excellent for both of us. And then, as you think you said in one of the – emails that you sent to me or one of the messages you want to see one of these two teams in the world series i agree with you i agree with you let's have a texas team in 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 the world series and uh, we'll see what happens george have a great day thank you for your time as always and uh, we'll do it again thank you have a wonderful day thank you all right our good friend uh, george rodriguez from south texas talking a bunch of different issues today uh regarding texas the possibility that we could be uh, that we could be looking at a uh, that we could be looking at uh, another session, legislative session, to talk about school choice. I really hope we do that. I, I think we need school choice in in Texas, and I, the, gov- the governor is totally committed to it. So I hope I hope we can do it. And of course, some of the other other issues on the border. Uh, the border has become uh, people talk about a humanitarian. You know the. The Biden administration always likes to talk about a humanitarian approach. There is nothing humanitarian with what they're doing. 
It's the exact opposite. It's the most unhumanitarian policy that you can possibly have, exposing all these people to the risk of crossing a river, to the risk of of having to walk over here. That is very unhumanitarian. I I don't know why they uh, this is not discussed uh, in greater detail. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.